This is Joel Spolsky, the host of the Stack Overflow podcast. Our podcast depends on listeners like you, who aren't you because you're already listening, and we need more listeners like you. We don't have any kind of fancy marketing budget, so please, if you enjoy this podcast, tell your friends to subscribe. Thank you. It was a really kind of insane number of, uh, who is that? Uh, yes, I got to take this call. Oh, f- I'm making a podcast. But yeah, did your phone just go off with the ringer out loud during a podcast? Because I'm, uh, this is, sorry. this is like, <laughs> Jason, if I, if I had a, sense, because he's not allowed to open a can of Coke yeah, during do we the have podcast. A, we have a recording of this, right? The MP3 clip of that is like yeah. more valuable to me than like my children's photographs <laughs> and poems. This is the day Joel let his phone ring on the no, line. I'm in awe that this okay. happening right now. Okay. Okay. I should have taken that. Oh, that's my landscape reason possible to get a hold of. <laughs> <laughs> With more problems that no one can relate to. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's also other people's landscapers, right? It's not like... <laughs> It's not like your landscape. That was my second uh-huh. assistant apple picker, and if I That's don't right. take this, yes. the Macauans will be <laughs> three bushels under this uh. week. This is the Stack Overflow Podcast, episode 110, recorded Thursday, May 18th, 2017, at Stack Overflow headquarters in New York, New York home of the best falafel in North America, where more than 8 million people live in peace and enjoy the benefits of democracy. Today's podcast is brought to you by... Did you accidentally leave the main light on in your bedroom and now you can't fall asleep? Did you forget to turn on the oven to heat up dinner? You need a Shabbos Goy. Shabbos Goyim. Because flipping switches on the Sabbath is not a sin for them. And the brand new Stack Overflow app. It's like Stack Overflow, but in an app for your phone. Search your favorite app store for Stack Overflow. Windows phone not supported. On today's podcast, <laughs> VP of Stack Overflow, Jay Hamlin. Good afternoon. And our news editor is Ilani Tragi. Hello, everyone. Also on today's episode, we'll hear from the co-founder and CEO of Zapier, Wade Foster, and community manager of Stack Overflow in Espanol, Juan Garza. Hello, everybody. Hey, Juan. Welcome. I'm your host, Joel Spolsky. And everybody, welcome back. Thank you. Including myself, who was not here Good last time. Good to have you time. back, Joel. Okay, number one, who's not here, David Fullerton. Where's David? David has covered his face with Maori tribal markings using a Sharpie and is waiting for them to fade before he can come back on the podcast. You know, I feel like he learned nothing from his last Sharpie incident, but we wish him well. (laughs) And we hope for a swift and speedy recovery so he looks less like Mike Tyson. Yeah, there you go. Also, I heard Jay made a podcast last week. It's true. I mean, we all did, but I I helped. Uh, You were the host. I tried to talk in your voice the whole time. (laughs) Yeah, like that. Just like that. Just like that. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. It sounds terrible. I listened to the Anil Dash podcast. I'm not listening to this one, no matter how bad bad it gets, no matter how many podcasts I've run out of. I'd rather listen to Learn French by podcast episode one again. Wait, wait. You didn't listen to my podcast? Uh Uh-oh. Now I feel bad. But I, I finally got the lead role in the play, Dad. Oh, wait, sorry. I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I, I, went to that, I, th- I don't know what uh, happened. I was in a different place, place for a second. Yes. It's hard being the CEO. Where was I? Why did I not record the podcast last week? Oh, wait. I was in Vienna. Yes. During the podcast recording. Vienna, Germany, obviously. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> mean. It's not, mean. Not funny at all. And don't mention the war. I was there for a conference called We Are Developers. And there was no space between we and R or between R and developers. So just, we are developers. We are developers. We are developers. Huge conference. Kind of amazing. Thousands of, like, just developers wandering around. All sort of from the region. Like, they didn't have to pull from very far to get thousands of developers. What is the theme? It feels like 
They're like, all right, what if the conference is software that's transforming the world? And they're like, too, too, too much, too much. And they're like, what about the top developers? They're like, let's not be arrogant. And they just get to like, well, we are. We like, are. It is the most like, well, who, as can, I who can disagree? Out, there's three ways of doing it. One is we are developers with the emphasis on the we. There's also. That sounds like you're not. We are developers. Yeah. There's also the sort of whiny, we are developers. Why don't you believe oh, we me? We are developers. We are like, yeah, I see. Okay, okay. I'm okay. not just like one of those people that make Zapiers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then wow, there's. Wow, really? And okay, then there's, pop shots. Okay, go for it. Sorry, then there's the Star Trek version, which is, damn it, Jim, we are developers, not <laughs> surgeons. Nobody knows. So which Star was Trek. it? So which was the, which was, it was McCoy. No, no, that was McCoy. It was, it was always McCoy yeah. talking that way. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Bones. The grumpy, the grumpy doctor. Okay, so I was in Vienna. So my review of Vienna, I got a one-minute not-tech review oh, before excellent. the one-minute tech Tell review. My review of Vienna, yeah, it's never beautiful. Been. This is a beautiful city. Okay. It's absolutely gorgeous. In preparation for my visit to Vienna, I watched The Third Man. Have you ever seen that classic movie from 1946 or something? It's actually a British movie. They had movies in 1946. Something okay. like that. Anyway, Vienna is in ruins. It's filled in Vienna. It's sort of a spy murder Wait, Vienna's not in ruins mystery. now. In the movie, Vienna's... In the movie at okay. that time. In the movie. It, it was got actually it. filmed on location in Vienna, oh. which had been bombed into smithereens. And was still split up Berlin style into the American sector, the French sector, the Russian sector, and the British sector. Okay. And among other things, the police would just get one of each country in a car and drive around. They couldn't understand each other at all. But that was the system of actually providing police for Vienna, is you would send out a patrol with one person from each country of the occupying powers, which was And that would let each group talk to the other group and understand each other, right? So it's pretty much just like Zapier. This is all coming together. It's basically, okay. So you watched The Third Man, you said it's called? Yes, in preparation. And, you know, it was still, Vienna was still beautiful, except it was rubble. Now it's beautiful. It's not rubble anymore. It's just beautiful. And certain things are just absolutely insane. Like, you can go to the Art History Museum, and there's just a coffee house there, because he wants to look at old art. I mean, it's just... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Madonna with child like 8,000 times and like a right, man right. on a horse or something. Mm-hmm. And this coffee house is insane. It is the cathedral of soccer tort. It is hmm. the St. Paul's of apple strudel. It is 38,000 feet high. It is absolutely gorgeous. It's just a ridiculous coffee shop. It's just like a cafe in a museum, but it is also one of the most spectacular rooms you've ever seen in your life. What is the name of the coffee shop? I don't know. It's the coffee shop at the Vienna. It's like the Kunst History. Kunst Kunst means art. And it's like the Kunst Historische Museum, which means the Art History Museum. You can look at pictures of it. It's quite astonishing. And we'll put, why not? We'll put in the show notes a picture of the cafe. It's really gorgeous. And it's impossible to take a good picture of it because the ceiling is so high and it's a rotunda. And it's, so that was, I'm going to say that was on the plus column of Vienna. The other plus column is that Uber works fine. You can just go anywhere by clicking Uber, and it yep. works great. There is no Lyft, unfortunately. I would prefer to use Lyft. Also, there's no Apple Store, which is really weird. I mean, Vienna is supposed to be like a regular city and stuff, right? But it doesn't have an I mean, the Upper East Side even has an Apple Store now. <laughs> and Vienna doesn't have any Apple Stores. So that is my review of Not Tech Vienna. Excellent. And then on my way back, I stopped off in San Francisco for a day, where I shall be spending the summer. Don't tell anybody. I don't want anybody stalking me. But the person whose apartment I'm renting, had the subject of my one-minute tech review, the August lock, which... Oh, it's a smart lock. A smart lock that will lock you out of your house at some point in August. That's that's the name. (laughs) It's possible either their branding or you have made a tragic mistake somewhere. It is August. Maybe it's August. The August lock. The August lock. Yes, yes, yes. Named after the emperor. So how was it? Was that emperor? Augustus? Augustus, I think so. How was it? I'm just looking at my notes here, and I wrote, OMG, no, just no. So that's so, my review. Okay. 
So you can uh, like wave your phone though when it unlock no, the no? No. You have to log on to an app on your phone, okay. wait for it to launch, connect to the Wi-Fi of your house through the door, because you have to be connected to the Wi-Fi of your house. And then wait for the little thing to come up and connect and go do it, and then push a button, and then you sit there for a while, it goes Oh, the, those motors are slow. Yeah. Let you in. in the time it takes you to get from the elevator to the front door, it's probably not enough time to do that whole application. You're almost always going to get slowed down. That's reason number one that okay. just drove me. I mean, just the user interface of pressing a button on your phone is... It's kind of like the lock on car to go. Yeah, but that's like, I mean, how often do you do that, right? This is going into your house. Right. So yeah, it's, it's like that. It's terrible. Other terrible things about it, at some point they decided that people would not want to replace their deadbolt. So right. the August it, it Lock is designed to go existing. over the existing yep. deadbolt. Yep. Now, replacing a deadbolt is something with a single screw that I can do. Well, maybe I can't do Yeah, but Jack, there's a problem. The but, problem is, because the thing that goes over is the twisty yeah. thing on the inside of yeah, the door, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And the problem is that thing has a variable size plate. So for, if they try to make their own, for some people, it wouldn't cover the old plate or, you know what I mean? There's like a... Mm, they could just make it big. I mean, it's already I, no, like 27 right. yeah, inches. It's like literally the point. size of a it is pizza a big, pan. It's just harder to sell a thing. No. People think they have to take their door apart. That's true. But that is really one of the easiest things in the world. I mean, we replaced some locks with a schlag thing that was just like, <laughs> just go ahead, unscrew, unscrew <laughs> the one <laughs> thing, schlag. <laughs> it's um, apparently it's German for the stuff that they put on your soccer tort or your whatever. It's uh, whipped cream. I'm, I'm getting this wrong. How do you say? How do you say whipped cream in German? Just say schlag again. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go with schlag. I'm typing whipped cream in German into. Remember when Joel uh, said schlag? Schlagzane. Schlagzane. Yes, I was right. All right. This has gone on for more than a minute. Don't get the August. And it doesn't always work. And when it doesn't work, you got to go find a key. And then the key works. But if you're carrying your key anyway, and it's a faster way to get into your house, what have you accomplished here? What have you accomplished? I think you're thinking of it wrong. I think you're thinking of it wrong, which is if you think (sighs) of it as the thing you're supposed to use to open your door, it's annoying because it's too slow. If you think of it as a thing that lets you open your door if you should ever lose or forget your key, or if you ever had like a guest or someone you need to remotely allow in somehow, as a backup, as opposed to the primary, I think is where they get interesting. Now, here's what happens if you do open your door with the key, Yeah, like you decide that's going to be your primary way, the August lock doesn't always notice that this has happened, gets confused about what state it's in, and then it's sitting there and the app will only let you press lock even though it's locked for example oh that's no good it should uh, know, now obviously. these are they'll probably fix some of these things some of them are just software settings some of them will sort of fix i really think they need to abandon the idea that it just goes over your existing lock instead of just being installed it would be much more elegant if they did that and they really got to make it like it's got to use some kind of geofencing kind of situation or something it's got to be easier than taking out your phone unlocking your phone typing your password into your phone finding the app on the right screen and all that kind of so i bought one called sesame which was Ooh. like, which had all these cool features. Like, for example, it had a thing where, like, you could just knock twice on the phone and it was going to open it. If and, you ran the app. And then uh, from the app, you knock twice on the phone. I right? guess so. Come on, come and on. It it's had, not just not. Just, it <laughs> had all this awesome. And, like, you could set it to an auto open, actually. So, like, once you were geofenced close enough, it would work. Yeah, that's. And it had all this, like, genius. And, man, happen. the video was awesome. And I forgot the one rule you always have to remember, which is if you buy a device that has to be physically manufactured on Kickstarter, yeah. you are a dummy. Oh, you and never everything get is it. going to. I, it was never actually no, made. No, I finally got it, and it still doesn't have like two of the accessories it needs to work. And it took twelve years, and I had a different door by that time. Yeah. And so now it's sitting in a box, making me sad. Oh. Okay. Well, you should use my philosophy, which is when faced with a problem, ask yourself: Is there anything I can throw away that will fix the problem? 
Interesting. <laughs> hey, that's that case. really that just was, throw it away. That was so apt for this case. <laughs> just throw it away, and you won't have to be sad about the box. It's see that was nice. Whenever you give me that philosophy to help me yeah. after I've presented like what a formal quarterly business review, it feels much <laughs> meaner. It feels much cooler when <laughs> yeah. you're doing it in that context. Yeah. It's, it's all in the timing, Jay. It, it is, is Juan. Juan. I need understands. to think of some examples of this to have. Uh, for example, for example, you come back from a trip to Europe, and you have a whole bunch of like little euro cent coins in your pocket. Not even individual euros. You have like 20 Loonies? Oh, no, that's not Europe. No, you have like 25 euro cents. And you're like, where shall I put these so that the next time I take a trip to Europe, I remember to take them with me? Or how do I donate these to a charity that accepts foreign coins? And you're researching this on the internet. And at some point, ask yourself if there's anything you can throw away that will solve this problem. And the answer is, go ahead, throw away your 23 euro cents. I know throwing away coins... Sounds terrible because it's money and so, it's absurd. I, I'm sorry. On behalf of our listeners, it just there feels so in it feels so wasteful to I, be throwing is. away money when you could be throwing you could it be... at your landscaper to teach him to answer <laughs> his phone on time. <sighs> sorry. Okay. Where were we? Uh, where were we? As you know. <laughs> I don't even know. Well, See, it turns out it's, podcast it's David work. stopping us from descending into madness. That's what he does here. I don't know. I don't know. He's the one who is sharpening his face. Okay. That's, good. That's a good point. That's As you know, point. we're preparing a constitution for Stack Overflow. A constitution, I say. Each week we bring you a proposal and you, our listener, will decide on whether that proposal becomes a part of our new constitution. Get it? Did you see what I did there? Uh-huh. The listener. Uh-huh. Singular. Like there's only one. Get it? All right. Results from last time. Okay. I was not involved in this, so I take no credit. If you live in a touristy city like NYC, is it rude to say no if someone asks you to take picture of them paraphrased as those of you who remember from last week how big of a jerk is jess's fiance bear that's the real question we're asking hi bear yeah just say yes anyway with the results of last year's survey question here's news editor ilani itaki we have 57 percent pro which i thought it was going to be a little bit higher yeah yeah i was very surprised at the cons 43 percent of our audience wishes we didn't have a society to live in okay all right then yeah but tim wright tim wright said pro and he said, but use your own camera, thank them, and walk off. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. All right. Free sticker. That person can get two stickers. See if we have any leftover super user stickers. I like that. I would add, like, the ask them something else personal about themselves first. Like, what's your home address? And then walk off. Like, so it yeah. seems like you're doing a thing. Does this even happen anymore? Don't all the tourists have selfie sticks? <laughs> I, I think a, an annoying percentage, but I would yeah. not say I most. offer to take pictures of people sure. every you time volunteer. I see someone take it. Yeah. Yes, I You're volunteer like, myself. I know, sure. It feels, it feels nice for such little cost. Help them give them directions and stuff. Yep. Their, their direction yep. requests are so simple. So simple. It's like Penn Station. Come on. Come on. Give me a hard one. Give me the old Penn Station. Where did it used to be? It's like a post office or something. Or... <laughs> it's Madison Square <laughs> Garden. Someone's okay. always talking about old post office. Oh, for today's ugh. question. All right, today's question actually came from a listener, and so we will name Woo! it after the listener. It's going to be called the Shailen Moquette Amendment. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. We looked up Shailen to see what that was. Turns out to be an Irish name. It's spelled S-E-A-M-U-S or something. I don't know. Anyway, the, <laughs> shit, the Irish can't spell their names. Approximately. Uh, here it is. Pro Dear Island, send your letters. Go ahead. Yeah, just go ahead, and we're already sorry. Don't yeah. even bother writing in. Here's the question. If I say June 1st at midnight, Am I referring to the morning of June 1st or the evening? Oh, this is awful. Now, that's this a good one. Awful. Really? No well, offense. Right. Well, no, because no. the problem okay. of this is the technically correct answer is the opposite of the answer that everyone means when they use it. Is it? June 1st. So, first of all, the June 1st is a tip-off because if it had been June 3rd, what? it's different. Yeah. What? No. How? Because June 1st is the first day of a month, so it makes you think, oh, it's got to be the very beginning, right? June 1st at midnight has to be. Yeah, but the day starts at midnight, so... I... It... 
Yeah. June 1st at midnight is June 1st. Yeah, it's the morning. I mean, it's like before June 1st. It's really the- But it is June 1st. Yeah, yeah. That's, but it's that's super confusing because if you said- Because midnight means it's Because once it's yeah, midnight at night, it's June 2nd. Yeah. It's like, hey, did you go out Tuesday? Yes. When would you go home? Midnight? Yeah. You could say 1 a.m. Tuesday. All right, fair. And that means okay, Wednesday, okay. right? Oh, you're right? right, you're right, I went you're home, right, you're right. I go home until right. 1 a.m. on Tuesday. That definitely means Wednesday. Right. And then you can tell a joke about actually Wednesday. Ha, ha, ha. But what if so I said, if I said I was out, if someone was like, hey, did you go to any of the parties last month? Yeah. And I said, oh, yeah, on June 1st, yeah. I was out till midnight. Right. To refer to which party you went to. Yeah. I don't mean that I was out on midnight for the, like, the June 1st is not the day after the party started. All right. Well, I have an interesting fact about this question. While the rest of you write your pro or con, post it to Twitter, dot, dot, dot. My interesting fact about this is airlines do not schedule any flights at midnight. They're always either 11.59 or 12.01. To, to avoid, avoid this that exact problem, yes. Usually 11.59. Interesting. There's no reason. Just pretend that it's 11.59. Go ahead and take off at 12. Nobody's going to notice. I like things where like there's a system yeah. created to work around a confusion that would not disappear under normal Yeah, there's just no way to vanquish this confusion. It's like on the, it's uh, the two-factor auth Google thing. Yeah. Every single time I get one of those, yeah. I would punch in a number and it would say, you're wrong. Every really? single time. Because every time I would punch in the number that texted me. Because I got like a oh, text thing. Oh, you got the number from, you know, Correct. whatever. So, that, 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 and it call. would get a, get a text yeah. number from. I told you to install Authy. No, but they fixed it. They did a genius thing. And what, what they that? did is they made it so the Google number that is the auth number starts with a G. It's G dash, whatever, a bunch of numbers. You have and to then type the form, G dash? No, the form already says G dash. But so when you go to fill the form, you look for the thing that starts with G dash. Yeah. Even though it's pre-filled for you. Okay. The other trick, like this is a sort of different thing, but on trading floors, they yes. realized when they analyze errors, 50 and 15 are constantly mixed up. Sure. It's a big difference. Yeah. So that's why you say 50. No, they say, oh, well, I don't know. Now, <laughs> now trading floors is just robots yelling at each other. But back when they were humans. Yeah. It's Alexis. It's a lot of little Alexis. 50, 50, all meant 15. Anything that sounds like that, it's 15. For 50, you would say half 100. Okay, that's ridiculous. So you can post your answer to Twitter using the hashtag Stack Overflow Podcast with either pro or con. Your explanation short but deep. The best explanation, <laughs> whether on the winning side or the losing side, will be read on next week's podcast and win a Stack Overflow sticker, courtesy of the Stack Overflow Podcast. Also, submit your ideas for future constitutional amendments, and one of them might be named after you. Not necessarily yours, but something. Post your proposed constitutional amendment also to Twitter hashtag Stack Overflow Podcast. It's non-terrible. We might use it. All right. Also, one question. I know you'll know the answer as a, yeah. a travel geek. Where exactly is it? What airport can you fly out of at midnight anyway? It's pretty common. The Delta flight from JFK to Tel Aviv. A lot of flights really? from Tel Aviv to New York. I don't yeah. fly international yeah. much. Well, it's just overnight. It's just red eyes, really. Hmm. Yeah. Learn something new? Okay. All right, enough of that. That brings us to our developer story. Today, please join us in welcoming our very special guest, Wade Foster. Wade is a native of Columbia, Missouri, included because I like to say Missouri, a self-taught engineer and alumnus of Y Combinator, and of course, best known as the co-founder and CEO of Zapier, which I am led to believe by their marketing materials can, in fact, make one happier. Thanks for joining us, Wade. Wow. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. Zapier rhymes with happier. It does. It does. So we, we've got to ask, Wade, what happened to the other P? We just couldn't afford it, you know? Only one piece. It's, it's <laughs> like that when you start now. We know how it goes. With a developer audience, I suspect most of them will be familiar, predominantly developer. But for our listeners, give folks an overview of what Zapier does and how it connects all the other things in the world together. 
Sure. So Zapier workflow automation tool, you know, we hook into about 800 different apps. We're mostly working with APIs, but a fair amount of webhooks these days too. So generally, you know, we pull an API and then when we detect something new, we trigger an event and then we push that data into another API, but we put a UI over it. So if you're not a developer and you don't know what APIs are, you can set up integrations between things like you know, Slack and Trello and MailChimp and Salesforce and Google Apps and all these types of things without actually even needing to know what code or APIs are. With the UI over it, essentially, it's like a unbelievably supercharged if this, then that. Am I thinking about the right way? Is that a fair characterization? Yeah, similar concept. You know, Zapier can do like multi-step workflows yep. and a whole bunch of other stuff that if can't do that are more suited for business environments, but more or less, yeah. So what's an example? Like, what are some of the cool workflows you've seen sort of from a consumer angle? There's a person who's basically running the way she like manages her kids, like her kids' schedule and like all of her parenting and all that sort of stuff using Zapier. This can take care of my kids. I feel like I have not dug deep enough into this. I'm excited. Yeah, we've got a case study coming out on her soon and I haven't been the one doing it, but she went on like this crazy tweet storm on Twitter that was talking about how Zapier was like automating all these like, you know, mundane things that she has to do as a mom. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy, because most of the, the use cases we see are business oriented, like that's where our focus is. So it was cool to see someone who was, you know, <laughs> remember to get these things at the grocery store, it appends to this, you know, I don't know what tool she was using, but this to do app or whatever. And, you know, then it auto orders stuff and, you know, all this crazy things. So it's pretty impressive. So it's either a super inspiring kind of picture of how Zapier can help like you know, the work-life balance and, you know, a working mother sort of get all these things done, or it's sort of a slow path to our dystopian future where the robots care for our children until they're, I don't know, plump enough to function <laughs> as good energy for their other machines. Yeah, I guess it depends on your perspective, right? Um, but I'm <laughs> optimistic for her. And you guys, like us, you are wholly remote companies, all right? Yes, we are. No office anywhere. So what? What? We it's have an office. Crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. See, they're trying to outdo you, Joel. That's yes. what's going on right here. It's, it's straight one-upsmanship. You have a team of about <laughs> 45 people, correct? More like 90. So, yeah. Yeah. Half of them aren't working. <laughs> only 45 are working. That's probably. Well, that's because they're sleeping right now. You know, they're. <laughs> are they all in the same time zone? No, we're in like 14 different time zones. So you have I some think. people that don't overlap at work at all. Correct. And how do you deal with that? Does that just make it things really difficult? Or <laughs> I have no opinion. <laughs> yeah, we mostly encourage asynchronous. We intentionally seek it out for a few roles. So for customer service, we seek oh, it sure. out so that it can help, you know, get 24-7 response times. For like ops, system administration, things like that, it's nice. So if site goes down at, you know, midnight. Yeah. Pacific, right? Someone over there can deal with it. Instead we just of us. wake people up using a Zapier integration that we have. That goes from <laughs> there you go, pager right? duty to... Yeah. <laughs> yep, calls their like emergency red line phone that's in their house. Yeah. Or just starts flushing the toilets in their house because their engineers are pretty, <laughs> pretty high tech. Yeah, there you go. You know, and it more or less works out. You know, we do have to do a bit of overlap for like, you know, their managers one-on-one -on -one at times or like a team meeting or something like that. But past that, you know, we don't ask them to say like, yeah, you must have, you know, three hours of overlap with this time zone or, you know, it won't work. Mm -hmm. We tend to just ask people, you know, pick your routine hours, set them. And that's cool with us. Did you start remote from the beginning? Kind of. You know, we started in Columbia, Missouri as a side project. Yep. So we weren't able to work on Zapier full time. Side projects, you don't have offices or think about employment or remote or not remote. You just work on them, right? right. When you guys launched, you all had full-time jobs still. Is that, isn't that right? When we launched our beta, yes. Yeah. By the time we were, you know, launched publicly, sure. we had 
gone full time, but yeah, like we were still nights and weekends sort of yep. thing. So you just work on it where you can work on it. So the three of us got good at just using GitHub. And I think at the time it was just like Gchat to work on stuff. And how did the original idea come about? This was something that Brian, who's one of my co-founders, we'd been freelancing for a while. And basically we were just doing anything that would pay money or less. <laughs> and, you know, we get asked time to time to build these types of integrations. So like get PayPal sales into QuickBooks or upload this list of leads to Salesforce, you know, that kind of thing. And he was like, this kind of seems kind of silly for people to be paying us the rates that we were asking to do kind of this menial API grunt work. And so he had this idea to like kind of abstract it all away to allow kind of the business owner, you know, the functional person to set this stuff up themselves. So from a monetization perspective, I'm not sure they seem to be paying us too much for this task. Could we make it cheaper for people to do this? It's, it's an interesting approach. It seems like it's worked out. Yeah, I mean, you know, most people couldn't afford right. to pay us to do right. this for this task, right? So it's like unearthing a market because you were able to provide it at a cost that all of a sudden it became affordable. Right, you hit a new demand curve, basically, right? Where you can sell it at much, much, much broader scale. Yeah, exactly. 20 bucks a month is much different than paying, you know, $100 an hour or something. <laughs> it sounds very different. <laughs> We're remote work nerds here about say about half of our companies remote and probably more like two, two thirds of our probably technical and community facing staffs. What tools do you guys use? How do folks at the company talk to each other sort of in, I assume you use some kind of chat. Do you do video stuff? We use Hangouts a ton. Yeah. So we use Slack is kind of yep. where Slack is where you talk about work. Yep. So like the day-to-day -day banter, we built an internal tool called async, which is basically like a blog meets Reddit. Anyone can post there. We say async is where you show your work, kind of. So it's like, hey, there's this new thing or this new program. It, it kind of replaces the at company-wide email or something like that. And then we have Quip, which is where you like document work. So it's like, if someone's going to need to do this thing again, go to Quip. It'll teach you how to do a thing. And then we jump on like Zoom calls pretty regularly to do calls. A lot of folks are using Slack video calls now because, well, I just released screen sharing, I think, this week. Yeah, so. It seems to be getting a little bit better over there, but a lot of Zoom calls as well. And are you guys still paying people to move out of San Francisco? That was an interesting story. Oh, that was you guys. Yeah, that was us. Smart. So yeah, we started, you know, doing that in, I guess, I think we announced that in March. And, you know, we just noticed in interviews with folks, you know, who are living in the Bay Area, oftentimes they would say like, I'm applying for jobs and I was interested in Zapier because I know I can leave. Yeah, it's good for you, right? Because in San Francisco, they leave after nine months to go work for the next, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, API integration and... platform and then in a building <laughs> two blocks away. Yeah, exactly. It's the you know, same thing happens in New York, right? You look out the window and you see your applicants like walk across the street to take another yeah. interview. Not nearly as much in New York as San Francisco. San Francisco is absurd. <laughs> also, yeah. our applicants never go anywhere else because we're they the do. only place they'd they ever want to work. That's right. Ever. We're the best. <laughs> yeah. 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 And in New York, they would have to go work in advertising or something. or <laughs> Like the Mad right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it was one of those things where we just noticed that in these interviews, people had this opinion. So we figured like, well, if that's happening in interviews, we can probably tilt a lot of those folks who are on the fence just by giving them an option. And so, you know, increase the profile of Zapier. So we we're able to get, I think we're getting like 50% more applicants since we announced this thing. And not just from San Francisco, just from all over the place. Cause you know, it showcased that Zapier is a place that cares for remote workers. So that was really the benefit for us. And then, of course, if you're in San Francisco and you're looking for a job, like obviously Zapier is a place that will help you live wherever you want. So, yeah, I think it's brilliant on two fronts. Like there's a piece of it, which obviously you get publicity, right? So that's it's interesting. You're doing it. It's weird. Yep. Kind of gets people not only to be reminded of the company, but to know the company is actively hiring. It obviously indicates your commitment to remote work. Like so. But there's another thing where like 
if you live in San Fran now, there's a little bit of like, oh, well, working for a remote company is actually like a weird, feels like a bad money trade for those people, like rational or not, they might be deciding they want to live somewhere like that. But there's a part of your brain that's like, it feels weird to be working at a company where I could live anywhere, where it would be not mm -hmm. too expensive to live. Yet here I am sitting in San Francisco. I'm like, it seems like you got the sort of worst of all worlds. But then moving has expenses and it's hard to change. And it seems like it's an easy way to push people over the hump. And in the scheme of things, doesn't add a huge amount to, I think, your overall cost for employee. That's super cool. Yeah, you nailed it. What do you guys still run into? I think like us, obviously, big believers in remote work. You believe over time the quality of people you can get strongly offsets, right, all the challenges, the additional friction. But what are the places you still see, like, the additional cost where it's a little harder because you're remote? You know, I think communication is, like, the go-to here. You know, we're pushing 100 people now, yeah. and you really just have to be super intentional about it. You have to repeat yourself all the time. You have to make sure that it's in public areas. You have to make sure that people know to actually go hey, I need to follow with the news here of what's happening inside of Zapier. Here's like where I learn about how these projects are going, these status updates are going. And you don't have the luxury of being able to just walk by someone's desk and be like, hey, look at the thing, you know? Yeah. Or hey, let's talk about the thing. So you have to set up these kind of, I call it a communication fire hose, basically. You have to set it up and then you have to teach people how to drink from it or like carve off the pieces that are relevant to them. Yeah, people here often say we make remote work work just as well as in person. And I'm always like, yeah, nobody quite does that. I think we get to like 85, 90%. And that's an easy trade. But I think along the lines of communication, the places like when there's conflicts, when people are like talking past each other, or there's some kind of misalignment, or even just people have gotten into some kind of small thing, disagreement mm -hmm. or things. That stuff's trickier. Like it's just so much easier when you can like walk in and, and even with the video, it's not the same. And then to your point, like when it's like everybody's got to like, we got to come at something a new way. There's like, if there's things that are out of the ordinary and need people, especially across departments, is where it feels like the channels are all a little rougher than if you got everybody in a room, but you can abstract like the problems can sort of disappear as you keep building out and picking up the corners. Like, here is the way we will communicate this. Here is the place we will talk about these things. It sounds like you guys have had a lot of time. It was done a lot of work thinking about that stuff. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, the problems you mentioned there, like eventually companies that are in the same location, they have these same problems too, right? Like they expand to a different floor yeah. now. And it's like, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I got to walk up the stairs to go talk to this person. Or like you get to the size of Google and it's like, I literally have to go to another office or another building or another city. So it's like, eventually every company has these problems. I think in remote, you just, you run into them a lot earlier. And so you have to figure it out. But, you know, the trade-off of course, is that you're hoping to hire much better people because you're hiring from a pool of what, 7.5 billion or whatever versus the ones that are 30 mile radius around you. And so because these people are theoretically better, they should be able to deal with it better. Right. I always like to say most companies hire the absolute best and brightest so long as they live within 20 miles of our headquarters <laughs> or are willing to move their family there. Yep. So more from a developer's perspective, what are the areas you would encourage devs to look to Zapier where there's going to tend to be much more efficient solutions than trying to kind of roll their own connections between things? You know, I think a lot of devs, especially if you're like a small dev shop, you're going to find the non-technical folks on your team are going to need a lot of like internal tools type work. Yep. And Zapier is just really great for that. It's like, you don't want to spend your core dev hours on like these internal tools. Like you can hook this stuff and, you know, make it work with Trello and Airtable and Slack and Salesforce and, you know, all these other things your, you know, marketing team or your support team or your, you know, data team are using. And you can set them up in like five minutes instead of having to like figure out where am I going to script this thing? Where am I going to host it? 
you know, all those other things. Like, do I put it in its own repo? Do I spin it up on Heroku? Like, it's not separate from our main stuff, but you get all these kind of clucky issues that come up for these kind of things that are not your core app, right? And Zapier just is just a really nice solution for a lot of that stuff. Yeah, it's awesome. I was actually chatting with a colleague whose wife runs a company that's called Stowaway that sells cosmetics online and sort of smaller sizes. So there's not much waste, they're easier to carry around and stuff. And he was saying like, there's all of these places where like they built their own systems and the things they needed and all of a sudden they needed to connect stuff and like an unbelievable amount of like the web between all these things. They were like, Zapier just fixes it. Like you needed this thing. Like when someone submits this kind of request, it just populates a spreadsheet and then the spreadsheet feeds it to this other place and it creates a ticket. He was saying like, there's all of these like kind of connections that couldn't be made and it just plugged all the gaps and he was really just raving about it. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I think IT teams, you know, a lot of the IT teams don't have a lot of you know, engineering resources. It's like they can script stuff if they want to, but like we're overworked, we're understaffed. Like we just need to find fast, easy ways and it just can't break the bank. Like if it costs money, that's fine. Just don't break the bank on us, right? And so Zapier just is like a no brainer for that type of work. So one thing I always like to ask when we've got a developer joining us for their developer story is tell me, I read that you were self-taught, but how did you first get involved coding? What was sort of the experience that put you in front of an editor or a computer screen? So I don't want to fool anybody. I am like a horrible developer. I started doing it because we I wanted fooled. to. Just that we were all we were all together on that. I feel before, but <laughs> right, th- thank cool. you for you. Yeah. I'm glad to clarify that up front. Like, don't hire me to code for you. <laughs> you know, I started. This was probably in college. Like, I, you know, I started to want to. I want to make my own website, right? You know, I had some ideas of things I wanted to build and I wanted to try and make money from it. For me, it was very business driven. It was like, I want to make this app and I want to try and sell it, right? You know, you hear about, you know, engineers who are like code is craft and like all that sort of thing. To me, I was never like that. I can appreciate folks who take that approach. I wish I could take that approach. For for me, it's literally just like, what is the clumsiest way I can just get this done and get onto the making money part of this equation? <laughs> and so that to me was like my initial introduction to coding and engineering. So like I started teaching myself Python, Django to make little apps and things like that. And did they turn into money? Are they money now? Is that, I want well, to make sure it became they money They are eventually. with Zapier, right? Like <laughs> some of the early ones I made like some money, but not much. But with Zapier, yes, like we're making money and doing quite well. And, you know, I don't write much code anymore. I guess I figured it out. <laughs> and yeah, based on what you said before, I think all the users of Zapier, thank you for that. And they're using Zapier, so they don't have to write code. <laughs> That's true. They can use a beautiful front end. Think of all the code that you've eliminated the need for. I know. I mean, for me, Zapier is like a dream product because it's like I can build all this stuff and I don't have to like dig into all the technical intricacies of things. Like, that's great. <laughs> so what are you looking at these days? What's exciting to you in technology? Oh, goodness. Self-driving cars. Yeah, well, yeah, that's interesting for anyone, especially here in the Valley. You actually see the Waymo cars and stuff driving back and forth. So you're like, oh, so close, right? <laughs> really? But there's a person in them, right? There is, but they're usually, you know, like sitting and talking to somebody else and, oh. you know. Not paying attention Snap to the road. people in them. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think they're used to people staring at them because, like, how sure. can you not, right? So that's cool. For me, like, Zapier in a place that we're starting to deal with is, like, unique types of interfaces or interfaceless type products. So, like, you know, voice-driven stuff is really interesting because, you know, you can talk to a thing and something will happen. So that's, like, pretty interesting because there's, like, not really a UI for that. Or, you know, the UI is something I guess we've always known. Like, we learn when we're three years old how to talk. So that's kind of interesting because it kind of is changing the way you interact with devices and things like that. So that's pretty fun. Yeah, it's super interesting to me seeing, like, most of us have gone through some period where you learned a typed parser, right? A written parser of some sort where you're, like, adjusting. 
it's weird watching humans adjust their verbal parser to like interact yeah. with these devices where it's like, maybe I should say like, then like you're trying to play out like, what is it not getting? What does it need from me? <laughs> My wife and I were doing that last night with our, we have a Google homes in there. We're just like, you know, asking it commands and then like changing it up a little bit to try and get a different response out of it. And, you know. Yeah, I just like that now there's a regular interjection in my life when I do not expect or want it of a device saying, I'm sorry, I didn't quite get that. Because now <laughs> I'm only the second most confused person in my household. <laughs> in your house. It, it feels nice. It feels, Everybody has one of those except for me. I'm scared of those devices. The HAL 9000, it's called, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I'm sorry, Dave. So now the don't think the, you need air. What do they call the cylinder Alexas? Now yeah. the new they Eco. I just got pucks. an Ecobee. I haven't hooked it up yet. I know you have one. Oh, I'm a fan. I know that's why I got. You, it. Wait, you have to hook it up yourself. Those are usually installed. Oh, I'm gonna install it. I'm gonna. I'm a tough guy. So I got the new Ecobee. Yeah. Not only is that has Alexa like built in, like the thermostat really? has Alexa. And they're actual releasing... Alexa or like an Alexa like no, thing? No, 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 Alexa. The actual Alexa. Like you can talk to it and it syncs with the What other. do you talk about? The weather, really. You know, I talk about how I... Things have like 8,000 controls and I just want to set the temperature to 72 and leave it on 72 until the end of the year. And the next year, <laughs> 72. I feel like you yeah. might not have needed a smart thermostat so no. much as a thermostat or actually yeah. <laughs> just wires that were connected behind the scenes and didn't have a thermostat. You be- still need a thermostat because it has to go on and off. Yeah, it's like you don't even need to adjust it, right? Like right. you don't need an interface for that. Just yeah. turn it on and it's keep it at 72, right? <laughs> well, Joel is confused by the fancy thermostat he bought and soon he can be confused by the fancy light switches they're releasing that also have Alexa built Ooh. in. So what? she's hey. everywhere watching no, this you. Is, do, they not talk, do they talk to each other when uh-huh. you go... There's a, okay, some some of our listeners may have read Ray Bradbury, Martian Chronicles, and there's an episode in there where fully automated house on Mars. After, it's not a spoiler, right? Because this book came out in 1950-something. <laughs> I've been given permission to spoil. Human colonists on Mars have to all go back to Earth because there's a big, gigantic world war. And this house is just full of all kinds of automated electronic devices that sure. try to make the toast, and then the toast starts on fire because then the automatic fire extinguishers go off, and these devices just end up sort of chatting with each other and going through a whole routine and because of the absence of the human beings in the house, they end up burning down the house. And that's what's going to happen to all you people. So with Alexa just sitting around gossiping about you when you go home, it's going to be Alexa 1, Alexa 2, Alexa 3. Oof. That sounded like you were threatening our entire yeah. listener base, but that's okay. It's a cautionary tale, isn't it? It's a cautionary it's a, tale. Okay. okay. Don't get things to talk or listen in your house. I like that. I don't know if it's a comic. Least or, of all children. I probably can't give credit <laughs> to the right person, but I saw something on Twitter in a comic. It's always XKCD. Sure. And it basically said, if when I visit your home, you have a device that is connected to the web and constantly that listening to me, XKCD, yeah. I consider yeah. it reasonable to walk into your home and shout out, buy 10,000 pairs yeah. of socks, confirmed. Yeah. Alexa, I need a 55-gallon tub of lube. <laughs> And with that, we will say thank you so much, Wade Foster. When we describe this interview, I will certainly characterize it as the CEO who is entirely focused on money and wanted to talk to Joel about lube and moved moved himself to San Francisco and paid all of his employees $10,000 to move far away so he'd never have to see them. Does that seem fair? Is that representative? I hope my marketing team doesn't kill me. Wade, what else do you want our listeners to know about you, your interests, your company, anything at all? Hey, we're hiring. So if you want to delocate from San Francisco, you know, check out our jobs page. Um, delocate. I like it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Hot tip for you. If you're going to work at Zapier, be sure to go to San Francisco first and then get paid to move away. Thank you so much, Wade. It was wonderful having you. The product is awesome. Check out Zapier if you have not. It rhymes with happier because that's how it will make you feel. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, everyone. What else? Hey, Stack Overflow in Espanol. 
Do we ever say Stack Overflow in Spanish, or is it always Stack Overflow in Espanol? Well, reminder to our listeners, in case you join mid-podcast, I don't even know how that would work. We have yeah, with us forward. today our it's very own idea. Juan Garza, Community Manager for Stack Overflow in Spanish, or as it is known in Spanish, La Isla Bonita. What? What? Yeah, what? something like that, something like that. Hola. Thanks, guys, for having me on. We are, in fact, now a legitimate community, whereas before we were kind of hiding in the shadows trying to grow to a size of meaningful proportions, which we now have. It was beta, right? It was beta, that's right. Yeah. To remind our listeners how this works, it start out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, every site starts off with a proposal in Area 51, which in our case started off about four years ago. And then three years in the waiting, we were launched into a private beta on October of 2015. Three months into our private beta, we went into our public beta. So December of 2015, we started and we remained in beta phase or, you know, in this incubation phase, I feel like, like, you know, that new Aliens movie. But, uh, <laughs> we were we were just brooding. We were brooding and we, we popped out and we're, we're ready to go after 533 days in the beta phase. So we actually graduated on May 17th. So yesterday, May 17th of 2017. Well, congratulations. Thank now, you so much. Now you are Thank a fountain so pen. <laughs> I want a sticker. So what does this site do? Why do we need this thing? Well, yeah. we are providing a place for communication to happen naturally and often with the goal of learning and sharing information. So it's a Q&A site for Spanish-speaking developers where, you know, obviously we're wanting people from all over the world to come in and to be able to talk in a language that they are comfortable with. I mean, it's Spanish, right? There's, according to Wikipedia, there's 437 million native speakers, and that's, you know, plus or minus a few thousand yeah. here there. They shouldn't have counted and, uh, me. I don't really. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know. They included the whole population of New Mexico because they forgot that it was an American <laughs> state. Well, you know, New Mexico has a large Native sure. American population, too. So they, even those results are going to be skewed somewhat. Yeah. But yeah, so it's a second most spoken language by Native speakers in the world. The first wow. being Mandarin and then Spanish and then English. So English is number three. Wait, but hang on, but hang on, hang on, hang on. Just for clarity, American's number one, really, right? If you count American. That... <laughs> sure. Okay. I don't mean number one is in best. <laughs> that's right. That's right. This is just native speakers who are actually speaking that language. So yeah, Mandarin first, Spanish second, English third, and then it just goes on and on from there. So a lot, a lot of people that are speaking this language natively, uh, which makes sense for us to have a community that caters to, sure. to this demographic, caters to these developers. There was a little bit of controversy when we started doing Stack Overflow in other languages. Spanish yeah, was... Yeah. Third or something? I guess we did Portuguese. We did Portuguese first. Portuguese was first. Yeah. That was weird. But that one was pretty successful. I took a trip to Brazil and came back and said, let's do Portuguese. <laughs> that, was, that was the extent of our analysis. Thank God you hadn't gone to Luxembourg. <laughs> yeah, who, who knows what the hell we'd be doing? <laughs> Speak bourgeois. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of people said, wait a minute. Ah, programmers should just learn English. Everybody needs yeah, to know English. Yeah, yeah. And also, it's going to fracture the community. So if somebody has a question, they're going to ask it, and we're not going to be able to see the answer because it's being written in, you know, Moonspeak or some other language. That's right. There has been dissenting voices and naysayers, right? Those sayers who say nay, nay, yeah. nay. <laughs> yeah. Thank <laughs> you for defining that for our listeners. Just, just in case. You never know. You never know. So, so back to the naysayers. There have always been these types. But Jay actually wrote a post in 2014. Don't blame me. You're, this is your thing now, Jay, man. Jay, let, yeah, me, okay. let me just bring you into this thing. Right. Around Valentine's Day of all days, you know, I wanted to share some love amongst developers <laughs> of different language backgrounds. He starts out with a pretty cool argument where he says, look, we've got this assumption that says that all of the serious developers in the world are highly proficient in English. And then he goes ahead yeah. and he debunks that. And we realize, <laughs> well, that's actually false. That's, that's yeah. not true. And then, and then the response would be, well, okay, fine, maybe. But I don't know if I know of any that aren't. And so well, <laughs> the reason why that is because they're just invisible to you, right? I mean, yeah. if, you're, if you're online. Yeah, if you're online, you're going to visit 
sites that have your language, right? Exactly. And so, yeah. so you're completely oblivious to what's going on in other parts of the world. So we agree. Speaking and writing in English is a necessary part of development. However, it's not the most important thing, right? That's not the biggest thing. So we want to provide a place where communication in the native language happens naturally and effectively and in a comfortable place where people can continue to learn and grow and, you know, just become better, level up. That's what we've done here. So I like when Joel asks a question and then someone cites me in their answer. That doesn't happen a lot. That was pretty cool. Usually you ask the question and then they cite me in the answer. Or I ask a question and they say some podcast, appropriate right? correct answer. Like, and then I refer You'll ask my one own. of our guests and they'll be like, well, I was reading on Joel on software. And you'll be like, Ugh. Yeah. Oh, they'll be like, I was going through Joel's garbage one day. And <laughs> I found some August locks. <laughs> and I think there's two levels of this. That, so one is like the question of like, everyone doesn't speak English is one thing that we didn't realize, right? And that, I yeah. think it's, with, I would guess most Spanish speaking developers actually do one. Does that sound right? Like at least are proficient or not so much? They have, yeah, they do have a level of proficiency. I mean, it's a necessity. I mean, you, you've got to be able yeah. to learn and speak and at least write some English for sure. But when it gets down to the discussion between how do I do this thing, right? To be like, Coming onto Stack Overflow in English is, is just a daunting thing for a non-native or a non-English speaker. And some English speakers, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. You're right. And some English speakers, too. And so, you know, you're going to want to withhold. You're going to want to hold back. Yeah. There's a huge difference between being able to read and understand something. Oh, for sure. And being able to post something, make yourself understood, and yes. make yourself not freak people out. But yeah. the code language is always written the same, correct? Yes. Yeah, the so code even itself. though you're a non-native English speaker or even a non-native Spanish speaker, the code will always be the same. The code will always be the same, but when you're describing what you wanted it to do or what you expected it to do or what's going wrong or how to, you know, all that prosaic discussion around the code obviously is language specific. And I think, yeah, I do think there's some languages, for example, we know in Japan, for example, and actually Portuguese too is one where in Brazil, there's a pretty significant number of people, they know the English that is part of the code, but don't really speak much English, certainly not comfortably. Certainly not you can participate in yeah. a community. So Juan, you were saying that we thought we could help engage Spanish-speaking developers, give them a forum, give them a place. So tell us, is it working? What volumes are we seeing? How many questions are you getting? What's going on? Oh, man, we're seeing all sorts of good stuff. So let me just clarify. Uh, this was not my idea. This was Joel's idea to get the Spanish site going. So I cannot take any responsibility for that. I invented things I can't even remember inventing. Oh, Joel, we're just following the vision, man. And so part of this now is we've got 24,000 questions on the site. We've got... 36,000 users, 112 questions a day, which interestingly enough is now more than the Portuguese site posting a day. They're posting Those losers, Portuguese. Uh, well, I wouldn't say that. No, but. <laughs> but yeah, it just makes sense, right? When you think about the Spanish community, you think about all of the countries represented by the language. I mean, we're talking about 20, 20 countries for sure that claim it as a, as a national language. And so we're completely scattered all over the globe. It just makes sense to unite everybody and bring them into this one beautiful place, this beautiful community where they can they can talk to each other, make friendships, have relationships, and be able to, you know, encourage each other in the thing that they love, which is development and code. A lot of relationship talk, a lot of love talk. I just want to be clear, it's not a dating site. It's not for it's not for it is match, not. matchmaking. We thought about it, you know, the ad revenue would have been pretty good. But I think at this <laughs> point we're just gonna let that go. Yeah. So 100 questions a day is awesome. I feel like that is wow. amazing. Yeah, that's a big number. It is a big number. 112. 112 nice. questions hey, a man, day. Yeah. This number. Tell us, what do you do as a community manager? It's a little bit of a broader responsibility on the international sites in some ways because yeah. there's nobody else, right? Yeah. So the team and I, and by the team, I mean the other international community managers and I, we set the vision for our sites and we want to equip our communities to be able to manage themselves. Primarily what I do is three things, or at least I strive for these three things. The first thing I want to do is I want to maintain I want to be able to grow and I want to be able to connect. By maintaining, I mean just, you know, maintain the order, maintain the interest and in the topic, maintain the health of the community, 
and maintain relationships that are existing. By growth, I want to grow awareness of the site. I want to grow our membership too. I want to grow the engagement and obviously grow the database. That's, that's what we're doing here, right? This is a Q&A site. It's a repository of information. So I want, I want to be sure that we're getting that, not just a lot of hugs and high fives. And then when it comes to the connecting part, I want to connect people with great information. I want to also connect people with each other. And I want to connect people at some point. My goal is to connect them with great careers, to do what we're doing on the English site to be able to offer that to our Spanish-speaking members, to be able to say, hey, look, guys, we've got these people that are looking for you specifically, and you know, here's how you can, you can get hired. And so those are the three things I'm doing. Among the, the love and the relationship and all that, I think that's just key as a community because I think one of the more important things about human relationships is wanting to feel accepted, appreciated, right, for your contributions. And so we all know the feeling of walking into a group and not really fitting in, you know, it it feels a little strange. You really can't put your finger on it. You know, everybody's nice, but there's just some dead silence when you say something and you just don't want to go back. But when you're walking to a room, you're encountering a group of individuals and they like you, they respond to you. It just makes you want to go back. And so this is what I want to do. I want to be able to form that with the community. And they've taken that and raised the bar. Our be nice policy is uh, what I've shared with our top users and our moderators. And they have now in turn turned around and have taught our new users and our visitors, that this is the expectation. We want people to be cordial. We want them to be inviting. We want them to be friendly. We want them to be respectful. We don't want them to be bashed. We don't want them to be destroyed if they you know, ask a question that is too broad or, or, or not specific enough. We, we want to be able to teach them and redirect them in positive ways to be able to encourage them to continue engaging and participating. So again, those three things that I'm doing is kind of my daily routine. And it looks it looks different on different days. Some days I feel like a janitor. Some days I feel like I'm growing mold in a Petri dish. And, you know, some days I feel like I'm connecting wires like Doc Brown, right? And uh, back to the future. But that's just a job. That's just how this goes. It's awesome. I think that might have been the cleanest, most comprehensive description of the power of stack. Joel, you should use that for your keynote next time you talk about what the whole company does. Growing mold. But Juan, you are welcome and you are appreciated. See, I was listening. And I think the success on Spanish Stack Overflow has been phenomenal. If you are a Spanish speaker, comfortable in Spanish, please check out Spanish Stack Overflow. Big shout out for the other international sites. We have Stack Overflow sites in Japanese, in Russian, in Portuguese, and in Spanish. Go check them out. Thanks very much, Juan. If I can give just one more plug. Please. We've got two celebrations happening as part of our graduation process. One of them will be happening in Madrid on the 25th of this month, and the other one will be happening sometime mid-June in, in the city of Mexico, Mexico City. Wow. Uh, our friends at Ironhack have allowed us to use their facilities. I mean, so when you think of like Spain and you think of, you know, the castles, and like their offices are like right there. It's picturesque. It's beautiful. Awesome. And so they're letting us use their space to invite our users to, to throw a party and to enjoy ourselves. So definitely want to say thanks to them and invite all of our, our listeners who are in Madrid to come over and participate in that as well. Totally free. We're going to have a lot of fun, good food. How do interested listeners get details or find out how they can attend? If they go to the Meta site, so that's meta.es.stackoverflow.com, there will be a link there that says, hey, we've graduated celebration in Madrid. There is a link to the Eventbrite page where we are taking registrations, and we hope to see you there. Awesome. Join us in Madrid, and thanks for your Madrid. participation. Yes. Madrid. Thank you. Thanks, Should we do Juan. some news? Let's. IBM is dismantling its popular remote work policy this week, giving many workers the choice of relocating to the nearest office 
or leave the company altogether. Dun dun. This is particularly surprising as IBM has been a pioneer in remote work for both employees and customers for the last 30 years. Ha! So two months ago, everyone was like, oh my God, they're calling the marketing people back, right? Two months ago, they canceled remote work for, I think, marketing, marketing. staff. And that was and just everyone, we to think? see how mad everyone got, I guess. It says thousands of workers in the Wall Street Journal article. Don't they have like four, they have 380,000 employees. Check this out from the article. This is a move that they say will improve collaboration and accelerate the pace of work. We all know how well that worked out for Yahoo. <laughs> 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 Uh, we're against this, obviously, right? Yeah. You know, remote work isn't for every company. Maybe not. You know what I think happened? So this is what I thought about Yahoo and this is what I think about IBM is that they're not having remote work. They're having telecommuting. And the distinction is that remote work is like what Wade was talking about. We're a company that has no office. We just meet up in Slack rooms and that's the company. And then we collaborate and work there and everybody works. Telecommuting is you got a team of people, there's 13 people on the team, and one of them says, oh, God, I really would like to move to Tennessee. And they're like, okay, fine, you move to Tennessee. The person moves to Tennessee. Right. Meanwhile, the team of 13 is disbanded. That person is sort of assigned to a new team, but they're still in Tennessee. Nobody really knows who they are. Nobody gives them any work. They kind of start coasting. Eventually, you wind up with a company where a large proportion, let us say, if not all of the remote workers, are not actually doing anything, and people start to get concerned. They're like, I do not see butts in seats. How shall we get any work done? I do not see the people. Yeah, they're not doing anybody any favors with that because, for yeah. one thing, they're enabling their poor workers in these tragic moves to Tennessee, and that's tragic. Sad. That's yeah. really well. I wasn't know. didn't want to mean to pick on Tennessee. It could have been Kentucky or anything. No. Anyway, yeah. So it, it is possible that they actually kind of smelled around and realized that just that these few telecommuters were just not that productive, and it wasn't because of lack of supervision. It was because telecommuting doesn't work if the whole institution is not committed to being online and working with the telecommuters and not just sort of bringing them in via video conference, but getting everybody on video conferences all the time. That's what works. And so it's not their fault. But anyway, I can see how it didn't work. It can't be an accommodation, right? It has yeah. to be central to the way you do it. Exactly. And I agree with you. Although I do, that's a good is, word. Maybe this is, I'm not usually too cynical, but is yeah. it cynical of me? So that, you know, the headline, the change comes as IBM copes with 20 consecutive quarters of falling revenue and rising shareholder ire over ire. chief executives pay yeah. package. There's a part of me that can't help but wonder, <laughs> right? You've got a company that's financially, the margins aren't good, the revenue, sure. the profit's not good. And on top of that, you got a CEO who people are griping has been overpaid. That's a pretty awkward moment to start firing tons of people. Like, is it cynical uh, of me to wonder? Oh, you could just be like, this way we can accidentally fire them. Right, we didn't saying, just oh, can everybody while the CEO got a big pay package. Yeah. We're actually just trying to reorganize in a more efficient way. Like, yeah, these people even more all cynical quit. than my thing, Jay. These people all quit. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's sure. not what's happening. You could just require everybody to do 30 sit-ups every morning and then you get even more people to quit. Is that something you've been that? thinking about a lot? Because I, I, don't, I don't love where you're going <laughs> with know. the whole... Excerpt. I'm just thinking, you know, there's all kinds of ways to make the workplace unpleasant so that people quit. So in conclusion, IBM, you were wrong. Do you Super do it wrong. the other way Super you were doing wrong. before or even better? Yeah. And stop doing what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. Dumb. Wait, do they all have to move to Armonk, New York? Yeah. Yeah. I hear it's pretty there. <laughs> so that's Only because it's like essentially a cemetery. Is it? I mean, there's Is it like there. an Indian it's burial a, ground kind of thing? Or? No, it's just like absolutely silent and beautifully landscaped. The whole Armonk. I don't know if I've been to Armonk. Really? It's like a river. To Rye? Right next to Connecticut. It's a, it's yeah. a yeah. river like right town. The, uh... it's, no, it's, the other, to... it's not the Rye side. It's the oh. other side, isn't it? It's all the same. I live near Rye. I think it's, it's all New side. England. Anyway, do we have any more news? We're against. We're against IBM. This will fail. 
So Stack Overflow has completed a long project to convert all its sites, including the flagship StackOverflow.com, to HTTPS. Starting Monday, all communication with Stack Overflow will be encrypted. Yes. Encrypted. And safe from spying eyes. Wait. I heard from the government that encryption is how the terrorists do their terrorism. Is that not right? Is that what we're doing? We're doing cyber. Okay. Yes, the cyber. (laughs) So this has been a long time coming. The word cyber can now not be used to (laughs) How did Cyber become a joke? Programmers yeah. laughing at it. This has been a long, a ridiculously long time coming. Yeah. Yeah. And the main thing I would say right now, you're going to be getting this podcast on Monday, which is when it rolls out probably Monday, Tuesday, somewhere around there. Go look for Nick Craver's blog post. He promises it will be at least 11,842 words. His blog posts are epic. I will read every word of it in order even possibly about just the sheer technical insanity of converting such a huge system to HTTPS while keeping it performant and so forth. My understanding is the title of the blog post is No Hacker News. You could not have got us to HTTPS on a weekend. That's that's the yeah. thesis. Yeah. They're like, I can do it with my website just by changing one configuration option. <laughs> yep. Congratulations to everybody here on the team that's been working so hard on this. We don't have that much to say about it, but let's just have some applause for the team that has converted stackoflow.com to HTTP, or well, really TLS is the name of the protocol that HTTPS runs over. Well, you have gone and wasted another hour of your life Unless you're cleaning the oven while you listen, in oh, which case point. it's point. not a complete waste. Listening to Stack Overflow podcast number 110 recorded Thursday, May 18th, 2017 at Stack Overflow headquarters. This podcast has been brought to you by Shabbos Goyim. Guaranteed non-Jewish, they can turn on and off lights and ovens for you, even if it's the Sabbath. Not available in Israel. Our audio engineers, Carlos Hernandez. <laughs> audio editors, David Greenlee. Technology concierge, Michael Rosa. Producers, Jess Perdue. Executive producers, Caitlin Pike. Four, Wade Foster. Juan Garza. Jay Hanlon. Nilani Tzchaki. I'm Joel Spolsky. Have a not entirely terrible day. Yay! Goodbye. Bye, everyone. It's the summer, and we're not going to be doing podcasts every single week because it's the summer. So if you want to know when there is a new podcast, please, well, you can either just subscribe to the podcast and like a podcast subscriber, you get all the new ones, or follow at Stack Podcast on the Twitters, and we'll let you know when there are new episodes over the summer. Thanks. And when they return, we will all be much tanner on those episodes. Yeah. Much. That's right. That's right. And maybe David's markings will start to fade. I always wondered about that. I always like, Sharpie, how long does that last on your skin if you just sharpie your face? Super long. Really? So wait, so if you sharpie your face and then you got tan, would it affect your tan? Yes. Yeah, there would be lines. This has happened. First of all, they start with the problem where they fall asleep drunk and somebody draws a... (laughs) They get like a little swirly mustache and a, you know... Yeah. Then they go out to get a tan and eventually the sharpie comes off. But the tan remains, but the tan did not tan below the Sharpie because that was reflecting off the sun or whatever. And so they still have another three weeks while they wait for the tan to fade of this funny image on their face. But see, we're making this very negative. The key takeaway is like in a pinch, you could use Sharpie instead of sunscreen. It's good to know. Yeah. I'm going to go fix the little tildes on top of all the ends in Espanol. Learn French by podcast, episode one. Luber. 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 Linky dink.